This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hello, hello. I'm Kimberly Chow. I'm Amanda Dell. And this is Recommended Reading with Food Book Fair, a show where we talk about what we're watching, reading, and listening to. Amongst other things. We are your co-hosts of the show and also the co-directors of Food Book Fair, an annual festival of reading and writing about eating and drinking. Now coming to you in sunny Los Angeles, California, for the very first time, March 2nd and 4th. <laughs> Check out foodbookfair.com for more info. We are getting ready to head westward for that, but first we're uh, really excited to be doing a special Ladies' Night <laughs> episode with Atari Bernstein of the new Pineapple Collaborative and Aaron Fairbanks of Ladies' Night, Be Kind, Be Fierce. Perhaps you know her as the former executive director of Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> oh, David, stop. What a great uh, audience today. Well, <laughs> So we'll be talking all about how it's women who run the world here in 2018 and onward into the future. But first, Amanda, what are you watching? What are you reading? What are you listening to? Excited to talk about what I am reading, but yes, this show is kind of embodies one of my favorite phrases, which is lift as you climb. Tell us more. (laughs) I will just leave. Oh, okay. I was going to just leave that out there, but someone uh, had kept signing their emails, lift as you climb. And it Uh, stuck, uh it really stuck in my head for some because I couldn't figure out what they meant. But then there was actually also an illustration. I think Libby Vanderplug did it. Mm. Um, of, and that helped me figure out exactly what this phrase meant, meaning as you are ascending, as you get any sort of power or platform, make sure you're lifting those around you up. There's room for all of us here. So excited to continue to vibe on that today. But first recommend some reads on our <laughs> show recommended reading we are uh in the booth in the back of roberta's on heritage radio network which is uh, our favorite place to spend tuesdays at two o'clock um so i recently got into reading uh, alice waters new memoir it's called coming to my senses um full disclosure i'm only about a third of the way in but there was one story in it that i wanted to share with everyone today it's uh about how she was inspired by her time in france which she had her own self-elected junior year abroad she was like the classes had nothing to do with my college it wasn't an organized program i just found my way to france i signed up for a class i never went this is i just went to (laughs) museums and concerts and had a french boyfriend and that's what i did for a year why didn't i think of that totally (laughs) Um, so 
I will, I'm going to try to get to the punchline of this story quickly. So bear with me and hop on board as I try to set up the story. This is from Alice herself, and then I'll kind of uh, interject so we can speed along. In the early 1970s, I went to the south of France and fell in love with mesclun, a mix of young salad greens that you really couldn't find anywhere outside a 45-minute radius of Nice. I loved it so much that I brought back the seeds and planted them in my backyard so we could serve them at Chez Panisse. That's a great story already. I heard that as mescaline. Mescaline. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember being young and getting into mescaline. Or mescaline. This is Alice Waters. It's mescaline lettuce. Okay. Young lettuces. Young lettuces. So. No chemicals. She said, I was so proud of that mescaline salad that I took it to New York. In the late 1970s, after the restaurant, she's referring to Chez Panisse, was named one of Playboy's magazine's 25 best restaurants in the country. We were number seven, she says, exclamation point. So she decides, this is, I'm going to try to get mm-hmm. to the point of the story. She decides, as she was asked to come to the James Beard house, to present a dish as a celebration that they were having for all of the restaurants that they named uh, the top 25 in the country. So she is deciding that she is going to bring the salad. Mm. Um, That's going to be her dish. Immediately, I thought, she says, I'm going to make a salad. That's my dish. My close friend, Marion Cunningham, who had worked with the famous chef and food writer James Beard, said, James could loan you a bowl and you could make the dressing at his house. Sure enough, James Beard loaned me this beautiful wooden bowl, and I made our Chez Panisse version of the mescaline salad with chervil and herbs and these beautiful little just-picked lettuces we brought on the plane from California. All of New York was invited, and every restaurant that had been on Playboy's list had a station. The other chefs, all men, were French and Italian, classically trained, representing restaurants from New York like Le Cirque. I respected everyone so much, and to be in that company was, well, I felt very honored. When I got there and looked around, I saw that all these chefs were making elaborate ice carvings, putting together their salmon canals. Canals? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. Aaron, help me out. Canals? <laughs> Quinelle. Quinelle. Great. Salmon quinelles. Someone down the way was preparing a lobster extravaganza. To stand there as the only woman doing a salad, I was so embarrassed I almost died. Amazingly, the salad was what people talked about the next day. I don't even think I did anything with the presentation at all. I just served it on a plate. We didn't even have baked goat cheese with it. Just bang, lettuce. I remember talking all night to anyone who came to my station about how James Beard had loaned me his salad bowl, as if, it, as if to give me some credibility. Like, well, at least he thinks this salad is all right. <laughs> so I love that. I was just... You know, if you have an amazing salad, go with it and don't ever think about what anyone else is doing. How times have changed. Exactly. I think that philosophy in terms of salad, among other things, has changed a lot. Also have to know, this was Playboy (laughs) top 25 (laughs) restaurants, which I think is particularly interesting. Cannot imagine a Playboy James Beard House collaboration today, but I'm trying to. Playboy actually (laughs) had a lot of food coverage and they still do content yeah i mean yes but i didn't know they did awards like this i gotta read the book yeah speaking of playboys 
Speaking of things that have changed a lot, um, so what I've been reading uh, and I've been watching a lot of music videos and listening to podcasts and and getting really on fire before and after the Super Bowl about Justin Timberlake and specifically have been really interested in sort of the cultural criticism around his performance, around his, some would say appreciation, other people would say um, unabashed appropriation of other folks' culture and music to build upon his commercial success. Um, and there have been some really amazing pieces in, in all of all places. One of my favorite ones was a think piece about Justin Timberlake in Forbes magazine on their website that compares his new country tinge single to Ed Sheeran spending a weekend in Nashville and writing a song at his Airbnb, which is a new <laughs> diss that I'm just going to apply to all sorts of things. Um, and then uh, it's been in the Washington Post, Pitchfork, LA Times, Laney Gossip, which is one of my favorite gossip blogs, has uh, done a lot of really incisive writing around celebrity culture. And she talks specifically, and this is what I'm interested in, about how the response now and the cultural criticism now around Justin Timberlake and the aftermath, aftermath of Nipplegate, hashtag I stand with Janet forever. <laughs> Um, is a lot different than it would have been, say, 10 years ago or, or 12 years ago, right after it happened. Um, and that has a lot to do with the rise of social media, the rise of black Twitter, um, and also how now the voices of women, people of color, queer folks, non-cishet white dudes um, are coming to the fore in a different way. And uh, that speaks to a larger conversation, a broader conversation, which brings us here today in a lot of ways. So, got to celebrate that salad and the, the, the idea of <laughs> yep. women working. I just made air quotes around the microphone. You can't hear me. But women working the salad station or pastry or something specific that's so gendered mm -hmm. um, has also, that, that idea has changed a lot. Kitchen culture needs to change a lot, has been changing. Erin um, Fairbanks, one of our guests today, has written so insightfully about that. So, we're going to welcome her on to talk about first her things that she's been reading, watching, and listening to, and then also Atara Bernstein, who is the founder of Pineapple Collaborative, as we talked about earlier, talking about her picks as well, and then we're going to get into the juicy stuff. Yeah, and just to note, both of our lovely guests, Erin and Atara, actually have lists, and they are at the ready with their <laughs> yeah. pen and no paper. <laughs> they are taking recommended reading very seriously, which we really appreciate, so thank you. Erin? I love, I love making recommendations. I feel like it's like a New Yorker thing. You like ask a New Yorker for directions and they don't yeah. want to just tell you where to go. They want to tell you like which train car to oh, get yeah, on totally. and which guy to pass. It's like, like third door, right. <laughs> third train car. Exactly. Um, all right. So in, you know, uh, what is it? Brevity is the soul of wit. Uh, I'm going to mm. uh, push forward a book called Disrupting Aging. Um, it's by the uh, CEO of AARP, Joanne <laughs> Jenkins. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> interesting. So in January, I was really focused on reading books that are like stories of women's <clears throat> journeys. And I've become kind of fascinated with the AARP lately because they've sponsored a number of events I've been to. And I'm also really interested in uh, palliative care, end of life care. And so I, I picked it up. It was recommended by someone else. Wow. And I'm going to push that recommendation forward. One of the most kind of interesting points of the book it's really thinking carefully about um, how we think about design and who we make things for. And I think there, um, as people age, you know, there's assumptions we make about kind of who gets to have 
um, what and who things are made for. And I, I think it really reminds me of like kind of my argument for having more women in STEM fields. It's not because I think we should just have equal representation. It's because I want like women out there designing medicine mm-hmm. and tools and equipment for me because right now um, men are making those decisions and a lot of stuff it just hasn't evolved. Um, mm-hmm. So a little bit roundabout, but disrupt aging. Check out the AARP, guys. Mm. It's not too soon. It's not too <laughs> soon. <laughs> New tagline for um, yeah. Crossing <laughs> multi-generational yeah, boundaries. Yeah. It's really good. Like it's really like a, it's a lot of food for thought. Um, yeah. I think, I think JLo is disrupting aging. I saw her on the cover of Vanity Fair. <laughs> or is she yeah. just not aging? She, she's like the Ben, uh, did I talk about this last week? Ben, uh, she's, she's a like the Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Button. Yeah. It's weird. Aging. Totally. But, <sighs> she's yeah. pretty bad. She probably won't do an ARP event quite yet. You get invited. You get invited oh, okay. when you turn fifty. Um, you get the official letter in the mail inviting you to join young. the ARP. You can't. Most people can't even qualify if they work at a big corporation or company to retire at fifty. Right. right. So that's, that's what not I mean. Anymore. It's like that's why we're just. It's very disruptive. She's coming at the like ideas of aging and how to think about it and what life can look like from this very different and I think exciting point of view. As someone who's getting older with each passing moment. Like. Disrupting aging. Yeah. It's on Aaron's list. Yeah, check it out. Thank you. Atara, <laughs> what's on your list? Yeah. Um, that's super interesting, Aaron. I need <laughs> to check that out immediately. Um, I recently joined a book club with some friends of mine. We are on a mission to read stories from people of color, mostly women of color, um, or anyone who identifies as such. And we read Celeste Ng's Little Fires Everywhere. Mm. I don't know if y'all got to read it yet. It's been on my list. It was really interesting. I have a tendency to enjoy books that make me a little uncomfortable or maybe I haven't taken issue with it. Um, It just leads to like rich conversation with friends. But essentially the story is about white suburban America and there are tons of really interesting stories about identity and motherhood and what family means, you know, families we choose versus, you know, blood family, if you will. And I thought it was particularly interesting because it was set in the 90s. Mm. And I, I, I actually am not sure at all about this. This is my hypothesis that Celeste Bring wanted it. to, you know, kind of challenge the way we think about identity now versus mm. 10, 20 years ago, yeah. to your point, Kim, about the JT Nipplegate issue. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, You know, I don't want to give away the story or anything because I highly recommend that everyone reads it, but uh, there's one kind of custody case where um, an Asian American woman, uh, low income, uh, has a baby and she gives it up and then eventually fights back for it. And she gets adopted by this white family uh and the mother the you know white mother she is on the stand talking about how you know she cares about the baby's heritage and she'll take her to chinese restaurants and like the whole the whole conversation is just like so problematic but it was interesting reading that and kind of getting her take on that Mm. so i loved it i thought you were gonna say the baby was actually korean no, <laughs> she the baby was Chinese. Problematic way to Totally. But yeah, 
that's my recommended reading. I've talked about um, that book with somebody else on the show. I think oh, yeah? that's been on my list for a minute. It's supposed to be really, really good. What was their take on it? They loved it. Yeah. They loved it. It was super interesting. Um, and then, yeah, the, the other recommendation I have is... Uh, One more. Okay. Yeah, tell yeah, us. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, was I just like, got yes, the thumbs I up. Just cool. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the your recommendations <laughs> coming. Yes. Um, <laughs> this article in the New York Times has nothing to do with food. Uh, it's called The Follower Factory. I don't know if y'all read it. No. It was, like, so chilling. It's all about the black market of the influencer economy and how, like, on Twitter, there's this whole, like, crazy, like, market of robots and, like, people stealing identities. Oh, and I read that story. Them. It is so crazy. Like, oh, and my God. And the lead starts with a teenage girl who had her yes. identity stolen. Exactly. By a bot that ended up posting pornography and all of this offensive material. And mm -hmm. she couldn't get her name back. And it was an ordeal. It's crazy. I mean, it totally, like, made me feel like we're heading towards this, like, you know crazy like apocalyptic you know technocracy is that that's a word yes technocracy, technocracy. Wow. Yeah. maybe i made it up but that's what it felt like it's, it was very like black mirror-esque mm. in real life the internet. <laughs> thanks for the air horn <laughs> internet is a crazy crazy place totally. i know we didn't we didn't even we haven't even started talking about bitcoin crashing. i was just thinking oh, of <laughs> Can't can't oh, do that uh, today. That yeah. is actually on my list, though. Is that the recommended listening? Uh, Laura Shin, a podcast called Unchained. If you want to learn about crypto and Bitcoin, I highly recommend. I wonder her work. what her take Writing is about the the simultaneous uh, conventional market crash and uh, crypto crash. Yeah, she's, going on right now. She's a super smart writer for Forbes, and she's a great uh, podcast. Don't know what happens to the only twenty dollars that I sunk into my Coinbase account. <laughs> <laughs> But we'll talk about something other than that after a little break. Yeah. Because we got to keep the lights on here at Heritage Radio Network, which is a member-supported radio network that broadcasts this show as well as dozens of others all about food and drink and many things related to them. Yeah. They don't take Bitcoin, but they take real money. So head over to heritageradionetwork.org, click on that beating heart, become a member, and support Heritage Radio Network. Talk to you soon. Super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. I got, got a heart attack. <laughs> got we're really back. amped we're up back. by that commercial, but we're back. <laughs> <laughs> we love Roberta's. This is Kim. And I'm Amanda. Um, welcome back. You are listening to Recommended Reading on Heritage Radio Network, the podcast of Food Book Fair. 
a food media festival. We're joined in the booth with two amazing women as the unofficial theme of our show today is women lifting as they climb. Lift as you climb, just let it lay there for a minute. And the reason, also one of the reasons why we're having this show is we learned about Pineapple Collaborative, um, which is a community for women interested in hospitality from Erin Fairbanks, former executive director of Heritage Radio Network, who sent a lovely email about pineapple around. So just further proof that there is room for everyone. Yeah, and and pineapple just launched their New York branch and they did an event at Haven's Kitchen which is a woman-run run business in Manhattan that we really love oh last God, night. they're so good. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's favorite place to support and have lunch during the day. Yeah, thank also you. Also a great event space. Thank you for uh, reading my email so carefully. That's they really do have, like, That's the really why sick, we're here. They have, like, the stickest $12 lunch special in, like, all of the Union Square area. And I'm like, I'm like how is this place yeah. not overrun? You know, it's like one of those recommendations where you kind of want to keep it secret, but you're like, you just also told a bunch of people on the it. internet. I know, I know. But they got to listen to the 25 minute mark of the I know, show. Together. I know. We read your emails. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> so thanks for setting yeah. it up for Pineapple and welcoming Pineapple to New York City. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship, how you guys met, and about this? philosophy of lift as you climb as it applies to y'all because i know that you've spoken a little bit about this and about creating space and holding space for other women and other people yeah um how did we meet i don't know i don't actually remember but i feel like something had changed in the pineapple Mm -hmm. sphere right you guys were kind of at a point where you'd been running events successfully and you were like what's next Mm -hmm. and then we got on a call because because I am a huge fan of you, and I set you know, that up for myself. <laughs> I didn't know there she was going to say that. <laughs> I took the bait. No, um, I've been a huge fan of Aaron's for a long time mm. uh, through Heritage Radio and Ladies' Night. And to me, Ladies' Night was a huge, you know, one of the reasons why we knew that women in New York wanted to organize and get together mm. and meet each other. And so, you know. I think a friend put us in touch. We talked for over an hour and Erin was just like talking to me about, you know, creating community and her journey through that. And it was really inspiring. And she's such a testament to collaboration over competition and lifting Mm. as you climb. And there's so there's so much space for both of us to collaborate, to learn from each other, to lift each other up. And it was funny. Uh, Haley, yeah. who's the kind of lead uh, for Pineapple here in New York, right? She, uh, you know, we were chatting. She's like, "Oh my gosh!" Like literally, everyone I talk to has been like, "But won't this compete with Ladies' Night?" And I'm like, "That Same, is just the like the yeah. craziest <laughs> thing to me." I'm like, "A." No, B, in a city of like over 4 million women, there's probably room for like, I don't know, dozens and hundreds more like lady orgs. Um, So I think that was the impetus for me to kind of send the the email out inviting people to join uh, me and welcoming and buying my own ticket. I did not get comped. I bought my own ticket because one of the things that I think Pineapple does really well is... um, focus on how do you actually support women-owned businesses and organizations. Mm. And you do that by, like, buying shit. Right. Yeah. 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 Just a quick aside for folks listening who might not know, Ladies' Night is a gathering of women in and around the world of food and hospitality that Erin started a few years ago. Yeah, I think... Did I actually have the pleasure of attending one of the very first ones in your apartment? Uh, Probably, actually. It was like, yeah, there was 12 people in... Bed-Stuy, 
Um, and it was like one of those moments where, you know, you have that thing where you're like, this is so fun. We should do this all the time. Except then you actually do do yeah. it all the time. And it was this very organic start, I think, in 2013. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to get ladies together uh, once a month and, like, hang out. But people, it was hard to get people to come out to bed And that's, I think, was the impetus for having different co-hosts. I'm like, all right, okay. we can host it around at, like, different friends' mm-hmm. apartments. And then the rule was, like, no boys allowed and bring friends. And it was always potluck style, so very low-key. Um and then at some point, there's too many people. I was like, I need to get either richer friends with way bigger apartments, <laughs> or we got to like take this uh, out of the apartment space. And so that's when we started partnering with like women-owned or women-run businesses. Um, but each month, we I, I work with a, a co-host or two um, to kind of profile different things uh, that women are doing across the city, um, businesses, initiatives, and it's very like. Very different than Pineapple in that there is no programming. Like, really all I'm doing is kind of creating a space for ladies to get together, which is why I think I was excited for Pineapple to come to town because they're taking a very different track. Can you talk about that track a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And what your inspiration was? Definitely. Um, So Pineapple was actually really inspired by the, you know, big world slash small world of women in food in New York. Uh, My co-founder, Arielle, uh, she was, re- she, you know, was living in New York, really inspired by Toklas, Cherry Bomb, uh, Heritage Radio Network in general, and Ladies Night as it was evolving. And, you know, she moved to D.C. for a job and was meeting all of these interesting women in food. And she was like, none of these women know each other. Like, they're not hanging out. They're not, you know, they're not connecting. And so she threw a potluck and you know, saw that there was a hunger for more connection, community, Mm. and programming around that. And so, you know, two years later in D.C., we've hosted over 70 events. Wow. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. It's been been really so gratifying and just amazing. Also profiling, uh, you know, women-owned businesses, predominantly in the food space, um, and... Yeah, I mean, in, in D.C. alone, we're a network of around 20,000 women. So it's really big, and we're seeing that there's more desire for it across the country. And I think one thing that we really want to focus on as we grow is this idea that, like, for most women, most women love food, you know? So we really want to be for all women. It doesn't matter if you are working in a restaurant or working or, you know, you're a lawyer. Like, every woman has a really deep and complicated connection to food. And we want to celebrate that. We want to talk about that. We want pineapple to be a place for women to explore their identity around food and connect with each other around it too. Um, So yeah, I mean, we're trying to do that by hosting events, by creating digital content, uh, our newsletter, our blog, our podcast, um, and just by giving women a platform to share their story. Uh, that's really the basis of all that we create. I have a question for you yeah. guys. So I was listening to a Freakonomics episode recently with uh, Indra Nuji. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She's a CEO of Pepsi. Mm-hmm. So like big, powerful female CEO. And she was talking about this research that Pepsi's been doing 
uh, regarding how men and women eat chips differently. Wow. Oh, talking specifically. Oh. I saw the Doritos. The Doritos. Yes. yes. Oh, yes. my God. So, you know, so the in the interview, she's like, you know, men like to eat Doritos where they're like licking their fingers and like shaking the bag into their mouth at the end. And I was like, yes, that is also how I eat Doritos. <laughs> but, but that's not what she said. She's like, in our observations, you know, women don't like chips that crunch too loud. They're looking for packaging that like fits in their purse. And so they're about to like unveil this line of like lady chips and it was like so disorienting to be listening to this like totally boss woman but also I'm like well it's based on things that maybe people want I don't know it was just I would like love some reactions to that because it like kind of blew my mind I this was something else that I saw on Twitter when I was in my Justin Timberlake to Janet Jackson to watching repeat (laughs) viewings of the scream Michael Janet music video oh it's so good um while I was in that rabbit hole, I did see hashtag Lady Doritos. Uh-huh. Um, I think this is a very... Well, she's building on these traditional gendered ideas of how people eat or how women view food. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, even the idea that women carry purses. I carry a backpack. Um, I like my chips to be extra crunchy, but I, partly it's just like texture is a big thing. Um, so I would also be curious as to how Indra Nui talks about making them less crunchy. Yeah, and also, you know, it's not like this is just an idea she had. Mm-hmm. There's, like, it's Pepsi, right? Yeah. So there's, like, tons of, uh, like, research yeah. and focus groups and, like, yeah. deep conversations with women about their chip-eating habits. Is it just <laughs> in the United States or is it a global campaign? I don't know. My question is really about the research. Like, did they just, like, have a two-way mirror? And we're like, here's an almost empty bag of chips. And then they have like a room full of men and they're all like tilting the bag back like furiously and women are just like, <laughs> I'm done. Or like how, where did this research, like how did they I don't know, but do I also it. know I don't eat Doritos the same way in like all situations. Of if I'm being honest, you sure. know, like Doritos on a date versus Doritos <laughs> like <laughs> at on the home, couch. on the couch. How are we going to feel if it's a year later and lady Doritos are... <laughs> introduced to the marketplace and they're doing phenomenally well and we, like how are we going to feel about that like if our if women themselves are drawn to this product what does that say about us do you remember i mean there have been other companies that have created quote-unquote for women products do you mm-hmm. remember the uh there was a little bit of a hubbub about this about bic for women and it was basically just pens plastic pens but they were pink oh i thought you were like more razors. slender okay uh, and it was like it became like a, a bit on Ellen DeGeneres' talk show where okay. she's like, oh, OK, lady pens for women because yeah. I can't handle like a dude pen. Right. Well, I think like I guess my point here is like in this kind of like lifting each other up and focusing like one of the things I feel like gets left out of the conversation mm-hmm. is that like not all women agree. Right. That's true. And like we Absolutely. don't um, like I don't know. I, I like I don't have really strong feelings about this like chip idea. But but there is, like, this, uh, I don't know, like, just this moment where I'm, like, who are these, like, chip-eating ladies? Yeah. And, like, how can I get together with them and, like, hear more about the need for... I'm, like, also, isn't that yeah. just Pringles? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it comes in a sleeve. you got to get the yeah. mini sleeve. You put it in if your you purse. you put it in your purse, it doesn't get crushed. It already <laughs> well, exists. I think what's amazing about groups like Ladies' Night, organizations and publications like Cherry Bomb pineapple is that you are presenting alternatives for what women can do for each other and represent for each other. 
specifically in hospitality, but there are so many other industry groups for women or non-industry, not professional necessarily. Yeah. Um, and I think until people see other options, why wouldn't they just carry a pocketbook or act a certain way or like aspire to certain ideas of femininity? Because that's mostly what has been projected in media. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think it's also a generational thing and that's changing. Definitely. I think it has a lot further to go, but I think it's important for us to hold space for changing the conversation about being in, you know, how people wrote to you and said like, Oh, isn't it going to be competitive between, and you know, be kind, be fierce or what you've done with Lady days and something like pineapple collaborative. And I think that even when I came to New York, right after college and I worked, I had, it was an intern at a PR firm. The the vibe was very much amongst women, like be in your own lane and Mm -hmm. keep your own blinders on and put your head down. And all other women are viewed as competition for you. Yeah. Um, I I remember, I really remember that. And I remember there was definitely not an air of collaboration uh, at the PR firm that I was uh, interning at. I mean, we were like slaving away, like creating press clippings till like yeah. two in the morning and like working the door in the freezing cold. So, you know, we kind of and all And that were wasn't for... that long ago. No, yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't. But I had like, I remember having conversations with Carrie Diamond, the one of the founders of, of Cherry Bomb, where she's like, I think she's like, it's just my worldview that there's like room for everyone. And everyone can succeed and and that I think is re- was like really inspiring to me and and then too I you know I would have people here at Roberta's who'd come up to me and kind of want to talk shit about Cherry Bomb they're like ah oh, it's just like so pretty it's so precious like I don't see myself in that magazine and I'm like cool read a different magazine but mm-hmm. like I don't know like save your vitriol for things that are maybe like a little bit more deserving mm-hmm. and like I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like go down that kind of path with you it I, I think that's the thing that happens to women a lot to women cr- who are creative who are making things where we want them even as a community of women to like speak to all things sure you know and like that is like nobody can do that like everyone fails if like you yeah. have to be that perfect and so I think, too, there's, like, come to things without, like, assume good intentions, yeah. right? There's no For wrong sure. way to be a woman, woman or live womanhood. And I think we're, the, the folks in this room right now having this conversation and also in the circles we run and we identify as fairly progressive, radical women. But yeah. it's also everyone is hopefully somewhere in this process of becoming closer to the person who they're trying to be. And that might also include wanting chips that are less noisy. Yeah. And being quote unquote dainty and ladylike. And yes. that might not be wrong either. Yeah. No, I mean, like, if that's, if like that, isn't that the point, right? You get to like choose. The point is not like you should do what like I, I'm going to do. Yeah. I don't know. I do say fuck stereotypes about women eating chips though and just <laughs> yeah. a dip, pour the powder <laughs> straight from the bag. Well, I will but, say like, it's supported. I need to read this so I can see how see how it's supported by research. I'm just I'm really fixated on like women being like okay, like there's still some Doritos in the bag, yeah. but I'm just going to put it down. And like this happening over and over again. It reminded me of like the basket full of kiss- kisses from uh, the. Oh shit! You know, what's the Don Draper show? The the Mad Men. Mad Men. Sorry, 
Where, like, they did all, yeah, they did the two mirror things. And the women yes. in that show, I mean, it was hard to watch, actually. I had a really hard time watching that show because I was like, I know it's in the past, but it's really triggering. It's <laughs> very upsetting, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, what, I feel like what are, you know, you're kind of speaking to, a, like, a different population of people. Like, I guess what yeah. are... What are people asking you yeah. for? Mm. Like, what are they wanting from the Pineapple Collaborative? Aside from, like, are there specific themes that are coming up? Or Yeah, that's a really good question, Erin. Um, and I also have to say that, you know... Erin <laughs> is a special guest host. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, no, you're great. I was like, you're I have like, some questions, guys. Erin, <laughs> when, when, when we're in L.A., we're already you signing off. You can, you're guest hosting our show. We just figured it out right now. Sorry. Thank you. No, we love it. That's amazing. Um, but I was going to say, actually, what Amanda was saying about, like, you know, it used to be that women were conditioned to just stay in their lane. I think there are vestiges of that still, that mentality. Without a but, doubt. But uh, I think it's more of like a representation issue, like this myth that like there's only like one, you know, woman at the top. Like that's just not true. There's so much room. We just like need more, you know. Um, so I'm really grateful that that is being fostered across the board in this space. Um but yeah, I mean, in Pineapple, it's really interesting because we are, you know, a fairly progressive, we have a fairly progressive point of view. We get emails sometimes from people who are like, why are you so political? Or, you know, like, why are you, why are you speaking up again about this? Like, why can't it just be about like making cookies or like celebrating like Milk Bar and Christina Tosi, which we love her, but we are really trying to strike the balance between like substance and style and inspiration. Like we want people to feel like it's a joyous, fun space to meet friends and connect with other women. But food is political, you know, Definitely. and everything that we talk about is a story about identity. It's a story about, uh, you know, women who are powering our food system from the people who grow it to the people who pack it and sell it. I mean, it's, no. It's such a complicated issue that's at the heart of so many other issues. Yeah. So it's it's almost impossible to like separate mm -hmm. the personal and the political, I think. Right, because as women, we have an incredible amount of power in one way, which is with our dollars and yes. what we buy, how we spend our money and where we spend it. And so mm -hmm. I don't. It, it can't really be separated that cleanly. Exactly. Um, and I think hopefully more and more of us are really making calculated decisions about how we spend our money and where we spend it, what we buy, and how that can have an effect all across the board. Totally. I mean, that is a really big theme, and Aaron was yeah. hinting at this earlier, but, I mean, we the biggest impact that we see so far is that, like, women in the pineapple community over the course of, like, their journey through our events and mm -hmm. just being friends with us, like, we see that they become more likely to buy women-owned, women-of-color-owned uh, after like, or, you know, just kind of being in that space of like appreciating other women. And I see a lot of potential there to really make like yeah. a serious impact on our economy. Um, so that's really interesting. And then your other question, Erin, about what women are seeking. One really interesting thing that we just recently tapped into, which is like kind of crazy. I feel like we should have done this a lot earlier, but the idea that like a woman's identity with food is a beautiful thing, but it's complicated for a lot of women. Yeah. For me personally, like I struggled throughout my adolescence, you know, like had a lot of like really fucked up like issues around food. I'm mm -hmm. sure most women do. 
and most people probably. But, you know, we just started exploring this theme of like food freedom and, you know, the wellness space and how it's, you know, exclusive across race, mm-hmm. gender, class and mm-hmm. how, how to just like free ourselves of the obsession and shame and instead use food as a force of joy. Yes. Yes. Yes, I got chills. (laughs) More like that. More like that. We got to wrap up the show in a little bit. I know. I know. Let's keep hanging out. We would love to keep hanging out. We really love where this conversation is going and the broader conversation is going. I think, as Amanda was saying, it's hard to separate food from politics, from art, from science, et cetera, from gender, from class, from race. And things have also always been intersectional, but we have always tried to categorize them or create binaries mm-hmm. or create buckets that we can throw things in, but it's not that easy. No. And I think now with so many people leading conversations and changing the way conversations are organized and conversations are how conversations are engaged in, I think that is becoming more and more clear. Definitely. Before we officially pop off, if each of you ladies would let us know where our listeners can find you, that your websites, your Instagram, we want to definitely spread the word as much as possible. And you can keep engaging with Aaron Fairbanks and Atara Bernstein and Ladies Night and Pineapple Collaborative and all of the other things that we mentioned online and in real life, too. Preferably yep. in real life. I'm like, come on out <laughs> to a Ladies Night event. Um uh, visit the website, uh, BeKindBeFierce.com. Click on the link to sign up for our newsletter. That'll let you know when we're having upcoming events. And you can find me online. I'm Erin underscore Fairbanks. Awesome. And uh, you can find Pineapple at PineappleCollaborative.com and at Pineapple Collabor- Collaborative on Instagram. Find them. Find us. <laughs> thank you thank you thank you, you so much for being so here. fun and you can find us always at foodbookfair.com and at foodbookfair talk to you soon thanks for listening to heritage radio network food radio supported by you For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Recommended reading is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com forward slash heritage.